All right, folks. Hello. Welcome to Gunsmoking, my uh, foolish and misguided attempt to watch and review all 635 episodes of TV's Gunsmoke, a show that until this uh, podcast I've never seen nor been encouraged to watch. Um, Beyond all reason and against the odds, I am back for another episode. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. There's certainly no demand for it, but um, I, I, I guess we're just doing it. So, episode three. We open at night. Tumbleweeds are blowing through the streets, uh, a thing that I can confirm is geographically accurate to this part of the country. And the Long Branch Saloon is closed. We see a woman outside. Uh, at this point, I'm only assuming that it's Miss Kitty because it's only been three episodes and I'm not totally confident what all of the bit players look like uh she sneaks into some stables now there's a man sleeping on a cot but she manages to not wake him up and uh, she saddles up a horse and leads it on out as soon as she gets outside old guy wakes up and looks around doing incredible powerful confused acting um he is acting the shit out of this and you really believe that he's confused. He doesn't see her. And she's gone and back to bed he goes. We cut to daytime. This show is in black and white, so it's hard to determine time of day. But it's revealed later that this is the morning. Um, and she's arriving at Willow Bend Relay Station. I don't, I don't know where that is, but I'm sure it's... 30 miles or so from Dodge, maybe a little bit less. A guy named Zeke, who does not return, gives her a funny look, uh, and then the stagecoach arrives. Zeke asks her if she needs a ride. Uh, she says no, she's here to meet someone. And out of the coach comes a little kid. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the Adventure Zone, he is very much an Angus McDonald type boy. For those of you who haven't, we're talking a real, real fancy kid with the hat with the tassel and, you know, the short knee pants and all that. Um, we're not told who he is yet, but he knows her from somewhere because he greets her like uh, an old friend. An old guy looks out the window of the coach as they're right away, but he doesn't say anything. and We're not sure what he's looking at. So we're off on horseback and we pull up on someone's ranch. The people who run the ranch are introduced as Horace and Maddie Kelker, which is quite the last name. And Horace um, looks kind of like Graham from Monty Python, but country and American. The kid's name is now revealed to be Thad, which is a great old timey name. Um, and he mentions that there's a cow in a, a bit of astonishment, I would say. And the old folks could not be more freaked out that this, I don't know, eight-year-old something, ten-year-old maybe, child does not know what a cow looks like up close. And they are convinced that he's some sort of city slicker. They also are looking at him like a piece of meat. It's very weird. Um, 
But anyway, Miss Kitty is leaving him to stay with them. And um, this is for foreshadowing purposes. Now, we cut to Comic Relief. We're at the stables with Doc. Doc, uh, he brought his horse in because apparently it's got a bad hoof. And he's talking to the old guy from last night. The old guy from last night seems like he's either the, the stable manager or the vet uh, or whatever the equivalent was at that time. Uh, he said that he was staying the night at the stables because he had a sick horse the night before. And he mentions that Miss Kitty's horse and bridle and saddle were all gone. And he heard someone leave. And he isn't sure if Miss Kitty is gone or if somebody stole her horse. Doc makes the point that he could just go down to the bar that she owns and see if she's there. And, uh, and we cut out from that scene. And now we cut to other comic relief. Our dopey deputy is back, folks, and he's better than ever. Uh, at this point of the episode, I could not remember his name, but it is brought up again in a minute. We are back in the general store. And Marshall Dillon is standing at the counter, rubbing his fingers over the blade of his knife and generally looking like a macho badass. Meanwhile, at the back of the shop, Chester is reciting a few words out loud and, uh, pause here for comedy, braiding up some ribbons. Um, this is when I remembered that his name was Chester. Chester is very proud of his braiding job, but uh, the Marshall and the shopkeeper give him shit for it and chester looks a little sad uh, and then buys a single potato this is observed to be strange both by me and by uh the characters in the show apparently it was not normal to buy one potato anyway we get into more exposition the guy running the general store saw miss kitty in willow bend this morning turns out the guy in the wagon was this shopkeeper he had ridden with the, the young fancy boy all the way from Hayes City um, that morning. Now, Hayes is a real place in Kansas, so we're at least two for three on the factual locations front. So good job, show. Now, he was pretty confident that he had seen Miss Kitty, but when pressed, he mentions that, well, he didn't actually see her. He just was confident that he heard her voice. Um, and yeah, he was a little tired, but he was, he would swear it was her. Uh, and this is why it's important to remember no face, no case. Anyway, we're done with him now. And we cut back to the Marshall's office and the whole goof squad is there. We're talking Marshall Dillon. We're talking Chester. We're talking Doc. And we are discussing the explosive allegations that Miss Kitty went out of town secretly. Chester is shown braiding the window shade strings or whatever. I don't really know what they were. He was braiding something by the window and it seemed attached to the shades, but I'm not sure what it was. Anyway, he's braiding again. And at this point, I, I took in my notes here. I wonder if his ability to braid will come back to be useful later on in the episode um, or if it's just a hilarious comic advice to make him look like a weakling. Um, I bet that it will come back but in a way that makes him look um, dumb and like not cool for being good at braiding. Anyway, they're sitting around chewing the fat, trying to figure out what's going on, and they spot out of the window, Miss Kitty is back in town. 
she's coming over to the marshal's office to talk and they are all doing the sitcom thing of being very very normal um they're being very normal and not giving away anything uh it's very funny she asks them to take her horse back to the stables and they act very much befuddled but also they just go ahead and agree uh, she then leaves on this phrase, and I was really hoping this would be like pithy or like a good joke or a joke or something, um, but it wasn't. She says, boys, if you think you're acting like yourselves, pause, you're not. Now, this is a real opportunity here to do an old-timey Western saying, you know, like, um, I don't know, boys, if you think you're acting like yourselves, uh, I've seen more believable possums. I don't know, something like that. I mean, make up an old-timey Western phrase. This is your opportunity to do some world building. <sighs> I don't know why I'm watching this show. It's a punishment to me for sins that I don't even know I've committed. And I'm doing it to myself. <sighs> anyway, Miss Kitty leaves. And they stare dumbly after her, mouths agape, um, because men. And now I think we're out of Act 1. We cut away to a campfire in an undisclosed location where two men are sitting around a campfire. Uh, one of them is dumping out a bag of money. I believe we're going to find out these two are desperados. So, Charlie is introduced, and uh, his much smarter friend and compatriot is Tucker. They are sitting around the campfire, and Charlie's getting drunk, and Tucker says he's heading for Dodge. Charlie then implies that Tucker has a uh, hose in every area code, and Tucker basically confirms it. This show is uh, respectful of women. Then he shit-talks Charlie for drinking. Um, now things get a little serious, and Charlie says he had a wife once, but now he doesn't have anything. Um, and this is now about the sad effects of uh, trauma and alcoholism. Um, it isn't. But Tucker says he had a woman once. He once had a wife, and he also had a son. And he's going to Dodge to get him. Now, by get him, he, he does heavily imply kidnap here. Um, and then Tucker starts to talk about this woman that he knew in Dodge, Miss Kitty, in a weird and, I would say, disgusting way. It's made clear that Miss Kitty does not like him, and he also points out that she has a good reason to not like him which is uh very uh self-aware charlie has a hard time believing it because apparently tucker is just that smooth um and then he is impressed that she told tucker that she hates him to his face multiple times this is hot gossip um miss kitty is a badass hashtag feminism we cut to the saloon but marshall and kitty are drinking and chatting about what she got up to he basically says, if you need help, you got it. You know, just tell me what you need. And she says, uh, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in spilling the deets right now. But if you want to let the boys know that I might be going out of town again soon so they can, you know, relax, uh, that would be cool. So he says, fine. And we cut to the next morning, I assume. Uh, they don't really explain the time frame at all in this show. Uh, they occasionally will reference how many days it's been. But, like, ch time just passes. 
and you sort of have to assume it's been more than a day, but there's no way of knowing how long. Um, anyway, I assume this is the next morning. And uh, she's all dressed up, and she's coming out of the general store and packing a wagon. Um, the proprietor, his name is Jonas, um, he was named after that Weezer song, he's interrogating her. Turns out, I didn't remember this because I don't pay that close attention to the show, but Jonas is the guy who saw her from the wagon. And uh, he, is, he is just, <laughs> is just giving her the business. Um, the goof troop now uh, reassembles minus Doc. Uh, Chester's here. Marshall's here. We're all here. I'm here. Um, and we're all trying to figure out why Miss Kitty's leaving. Some foreshadowing happens, and then she does leave. Now we cut to the prairie, and I can again confirm that there is prairie in Kansas. Uh, and Charlie is riding a horse. Charlie's one of our two desperados, if you recall. He sees Miss Kitty driving her wagon and comes up to ask her the way to Dodge City. She tells him, and then he proceeds to fuck with her. And I believe uh, he's considering committing a sexual crime upon her, but uh, she's not taking any shit, and she whips him in the face with her reins and then pulls a gun on him. Hashtag feminism again. Um, he rides off because he believes that she'll shoot him, and she rides off because she would have shot him, and we fade out. We come back to the marshal's office. Chester is ramming the potato he bought earlier, you remember the potato, against the spout of an oil can over and over again because he's stressed about Kitty leaving. The marshal tells him he should go braid something instead, clearly fucking with Chester, and Chester says he's too stressed to braid because he's a beautiful, simple idiot. Um, Chester is very clearly not meant to be a manly man, at least not in this episode. Anyway, now we get to more some, some more expo exposition. That word is a lot like expedition, and if you're not careful, you'll almost say expedition twice. Uh, the Tucker from earlier is revealed to be wanted with a $500 reward for murder and burglary. Also, turns out he used to live in Dodge, and they both remember him. Ooh. We now cut back to the farm of the Kelkers, and Kitty is out gathering eggs. She comes inside, and the man of the house starts being very sexist about Thad. Um, Thad is helping his wife hang up clothes on the clothesline, and he says a bunch of shit about how when he was a boy, he'd rather take a whipping than do woman's work. Eh, great. Old-timey sexism. Nothing better. Um, she's completely on his side, though. And uh, asks for his help to make Thad a real man. Um, then we cut to a few scenes of Thad doing real man shit. Um, riding a horse and shooting some cans. Now some time passes. And again, can't tell you. Multiple days, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, but we cut to a scene around the dinner table. And Thad is asleep. So it's just the, uh, the grown folks. And it's time to learn about the boy. So we have some more exposition from Kitty. Thad's mom used to work for Kitty at Long Branch. And then she married Tucker Farron. And then she found out that he was an outlaw. But she was already pregnant. And 
no abortion because it's the 1800s. Um, even though Kansas is a state that allows abortions. So good job, Kansas. She left Tucker because he was an outlaw. Um, and he apparently just sort of devoted his life to following her around. And whenever he found her, he beat her. And then I guess she ran away again. It's, it's implied that this happened several times. Um, but basically just trying to keep her son away from Tucker. Um, eventually he found her and uh, beat her to death. So that's technically the first death in this episode that's technically body count one uh anyway he killed her and her friends sent thad to kitty uh i wrote here that this episode is sponsored by toxic masculinity the foster mom asks kitty if Thad is her kid and kitty says no um that's fine not her son now thad and kitty it's again i don't know the next day two days later who fucking knows they're fishing by the river and talking about country things but they're not catching any fish so then she tells him that it's lucky to spit in the river and so he spits in the river and then he asks her to spit in the river and then he goes i guess you wouldn't because you're a girl and girls are different from boys and now let's talk about how girls are different from boys and now let's talk about if I have a real dad, because apparently maybe I'm Jesus. Um, he doesn't say that part, but he does ask if he has a real dad, because I don't know. I mean, he says he can't remember his real dad, so I guess he just thought maybe he came from heaven. I, I don't know. This kid is, I, he, I think this kid is not very bright. Um, anyway, then he catches a catfish. So spitting is lucky confirmed. We fade out and cut to the saloon. And Chester and Marshall Dillon are in the saloon. And Chester starts waxing poetic about how sad he is that Miss Kitty is gone. Um, he, he uses the line, uh, I can miss someone if, in a, if they're gone for an hour if I want. And uh, I think Chester is a sweet boy. He's, he's not very smart, but he's sweet. <laughs> and I like him. Um, anyway, Marshall Dillon is not looking for Miss Kitty. He's looking for Tucker, but Tucker isn't at the bar. So he leaves to go continue his Tucker quest. And in walks Charlie, right? Again, we remember Charlie. He was our dumber of the two uh, desperados. Charlie comes up to the bar, and he's looking for Miss Kitty, and he's starting to drink and starts pumping Chester for information. Chester is a beautiful idiot, as I have mentioned, and... Um, he tells Charlie that Kitty was uh, the lady that he met on her stagecoach or on her covered, uncovered wagon or whatever, on her, on her car the other day and uh, that he had tried to assault. And Charlie buys him a beer because he can't believe his good luck. And then he heads out. And now we cut to, again, I'm assuming here the next day. And we see Charlie, and he's riding up, and who should he meet but Tucker? He tells Tucker hello, and that he was planning to get out of Kansas, and Tucker asks him if he went to Dodge. Charlie says, yeah, I went to Dodge. And Then Tucker pulls him off the horse, throws him on the ground, and starts to slap him around a little bit. 
Um, Charlie confirms that he went to see Kitty, and Tucker starts losing his shit. Um, He pulls his gun on Charlie. Charlie's like, well, listen, man, I went to see her, but she wasn't there. She wasn't, like, she was gone. I don't even know where she is. I mean, I kind of do. I know she was going this direction, but I only kind of think I know where she is. And Tucker says, eh, I don't believe you, and shoots him dead right there on the spot. Um, So, R.I.P. Charlie. That's now our second death of the episode. Oh, and <laughs> before he shot, uh, before he shot Charlie, he called him a nobody. So really, not subtle that this Tucker dude is an asshole. Um, <clears throat> Tucker rides off after he looted Charlie's corpse, and he finds the farm where Kitty is. I don't know how, but you know, I guess there's only so many farms um in that part of kansas so you got to find one eventually anyway kitty sees him coming clears out the house um she sends ma kettle down to the creek to play with pa kettle and the boy and uh we prepare for the showdown tucker looks real sweaty um but also he's definitely implying that uh she should tell him where the kid is or he'll beat the shit out of her then he slaps her, so that's great. Um, Tucker is, again, not subtle here that he is a villain. And now says that he'll beat her to death like he did his ex-wife if she doesn't tell him where Thad is. Um, he grabs her and starts to uh, attempt to make good on that promise. When she breaks free and sprints to the other side, well, sprints is generous, she hustles to the other side of the room and pulls a shotgun down off the wall. Uh, he walks over towards her and says she won't shoot him because no women have the ability to shoot a man. Um, and she says she will because she's liberated. She doesn't say she's liberated. I just threw that in there. Uh, and then I'll be goddamned if she doesn't go ahead and just shoot him. Uh, hashtag feminism. Again. Now he is lying dead on the floor. The rest of the family arrives and... She hugs Thad, and we fade out back to town. She is pulling in with the boy as Marshall Dillon is coming. It's convenient how he just sort of happens to be there when she gets back to town. Anyway, Marshall Dillon is coming to uh, to see her, and they begin to chop it up. And uh, she introduces him to the boy and mentions that Tucker Farron is dead and someone shot him. The boy says some, th- some sad things about not knowing that his dad was an outlaw. And then they go make him stand in the middle of the street and wait for them to be done talking. And that's just good parenting right there. Uh, the marshal asks her who shot Tucker and she gets mysterious again. The award money does get mentioned and she turns it down because I guess if she accepted it, she'd have to admit that she was the one that pulled the trigger. I'm not exactly sure. But anyway... She she turns that $500 down. I haven't done the research to see what $500 would be worth in 1862 or whatever the fuck, 1881, whatever this is, um, but more than it is now. Anyway, now it's over. That, I mean, that was it. She turns down the money and walks away, and that's the end of the episode. Um, the braiding thing never did come back, so I guess fuck you, Chekhov. And 
I did not particularly enjoy this episode. Um, I, I have done the math, and if I do this show once a week, which I'm not currently doing, but if I do this once a week, the same pace as the TV show, uh, I have over 10 years of episodes in the can, which means I have a lot of Gunsmoke to watch. I have done, I, why have I done this to myself? Well, that's it for episode four. So, or, yeah, I wish it was episode four. That's it for episode three. So stick around for episode four, which will come out the next time I'm able to force myself to watch an episode of Gunsmoke. Uh, probably next week. For now, um, stay frosty out there and don't get the gunned down in the street. Have a good one, everybody.